Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for December 15th, 2019, the third Sunday of Advent. Uh, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Yeah. Uh, we are coming to you not live from Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And uh, and uh, uh, we're getting into the Christmas season. It's cold, not snowy, um, which is my least favorite Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> gonna be cold at least get, make a reason for it <laughs> right. like, let me get, give me something up the visuals <laughs> exactly right i mean who wants to have a cold dreary <laughs> christmas not me have yourself a dreary little christmas that, I, that was the, the that was the first iteration of that song <laughs> one can understand why it didn't stick yeah um but yeah, let's uh, let's let's go to our uh, stump the priest section, my favorite section. Section? No, that's not true. I like it all. Um, but uh, let's go with the word pantheism. Oh, oh, got it. How much time you got? <laughs> yeah, basically, um, belief in lots and lots and lots and lots of gods, um, and often in gods that are centered in nature and natural occurrence, what we would call natural occurrences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now this, this definition uh, goes with more of a, an Episcopal church centered viewpoint. <laughs> so when we bless the animals, we aren't really invoking the, <laughs> well, it's more, more of uh, more that it's not so much uh, talking about uh, all different types of gods. Uh, it's more, um, it's the belief that God is the cre- is all creation, and that all creation is God is their okay. is their definition. So it comes from the Greek, uh, from the Greek pan, uh, or meaning all, and theos is uh, is for God. But again, from the Episcopal Church standpoint, it's not so much uh, the Greek mentality of what that word would mean. It's mm-hmm. more of that God is all gods. Essentially, it's he is okay. he is he is all. Uh, pantheism is in, inconsistent with Orthodox Christianity because it ignores God's transcendence and God's distinctness from creation. Yeah. Uh, this extreme identification of creator with creation emphasizes the universal imminence of God. In some forms of pantheism, God is seen to be identical with nature and contained entirely by nature. And Christianity affirms that God is both imminent and transcendent relative to creation. That's what I meant. Yes. Yes, I knew. I knew. I just uh, one of the one of the tests. But yeah, I mean, I, well, that's one of the problems with using a Greek word yeah. uh, as as a definition is what it means to the Greeks and what it would mean to us are, are two potentially totally different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, but yeah, pantheism, uh, which is not uh, related to Pan's labyrinth, um, although. There's some, there's some, uh, there was some inspiration uh, uh, for the word pan there. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's move on to our, uh, to our first reading, Isaiah. Sticking with Isaiah in chapter 35, verse 1 through 10. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer. And the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. 
for waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the deserts. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall be not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrowness and sighing shall flee away. Um, first, this is... Uh, is, are we into the second writer of Isaiah yet? Ah, good question. Oh, thank you. <laughs> because it's chap, chapter 35 is stuck in the midst of the second writer, but scholars believe it was actually done by the third. Oh, okay. So, Interesting. So I was... it's almost a preview of what's going to happen beginning in chapter 40. Okay. Okay. So your Isaiah sense was right on. There you go. Um, it uh, First of all, who's Carmel and Sharon? <laughs> Carmel, Carmel and Sharon. Uh, actually, Sharon is probably right, uh, but uh, I'm not entirely sure how the how the uh, the word Carmel, Carmel, uh, would have been pronounced. Carmel, I think. Okay. But I'm, I'm. I mean, almost I, sure. I'm very familiar with the Majesty of Carmel, um, but. And I and Carmel and, 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 the, <laughs> the and, and the more modern sense, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> mm, Carmel. Um, but uh, the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of uh, Carmel and Sharon. What? There were two magnificent cities. Okay, there were cities. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, so it'd be like, wow, you know, Paris. Mm, gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because I wasn't entirely sure. They shall see the glory of the Lord. I wasn't sure if these were people or if they were, uh, they were, they were cities and towns. Mm -hmm. um, so, and this this does kind of uh, what what is this talking about? Because it it seems like it's discussing kind of like a journey and kind of yeah. has that 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 same concept of it's traveling music. Okay, it's traveling music. Very good, very good. Uh, it's kind of a pilgrimage, but it's it's like a yeah. different. Okay. It's okay. relocation. Okay. Oh, relocation. So this is, that's talking about, I'll stop talking. You tell oh, me okay. what it says. <laughs> You're so close. It's the return from the exile. Oh, okay. Return okay. from the Babylonian exile. And that's one of the, that's one of the big reasons why it's a poem, mm -hmm. why uh, it's five chapters too early, mm. because this second Isaiah is still talking about how Israel was captured and taken off into captivity and then this is the this fits with the other parts that begin with 40 in chapter 40 of the israelites being freed from their slavery um, in babylonia and getting to return to jerusalem and so this is a description of crossing the desert but it's very easy to do mm -hmm. and that the Places where there were no oases. Oh, they're they're going to be so filled with water that they're now become a wetlands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that I was going to ask about that, but that, that I was well, I was going to actually make that point. It's, it, at first, the, the the way it's worded 
strikes our modern ear weird. Uh, the the haunt of jackals. I got that. I understand what that is. <laughs> Shall become a swamp, and you go ew. <laughs> but but for but desert people, for like, desert people, a swamp like, would be like both wow. water and plant life, uh, yeah. which is would uh, yeah. Be. And you could easily find food to eat there, mm-hmm. um, and it will be cool, literally cooler to walk through there, and you could drink, and yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like having a rest stop. Gotcha. Well, it has a full service restaurant. And then, uh, and then, verse nine uh, sounds similar to uh, to, to uh, uh, this past week's uh, reading from Isaiah, talking mm-hmm. about uh, um, you know pre- yeah. hunters and predators that won't be there. There'll yeah. be peace. There'll be, um, um, and that's basically what it's talking about. Not only will they return, right? And, yeah. But there will be it will be uh, majestic and peaceful and and life abundant and well, it's. It's pretty though. It's pretty much though limited to the journey itself. So, okay. So it's not talking about when they arrive. It's not in ca- talking about after. It's just talking about, about the, the this passage is what home. You, yeah. So be brave and leave ba- Babylonia and walk across the desert back to Jerusalem. I guess that makes sense for a, people who have been conquered. Uh, one <laughs> of the fear of <laughs> fears of heading home would be getting conquered again yeah. on the way home. So yeah. uh, uh, so. That hearing a message that says like, and you can go home and you'll get there. <laughs> yeah, that's what you'll get there. You'll be able to eat. You'll be able to drink. You won't be eaten mm-hmm. by um, predators, human or animal on the way. Mm-hmm. You won't get lost. It, it talks about the um, road is so easy to see. Mm-hmm. And so all the various fears that would hold someone back from returning to Jerusalem are addressed here. Um, and, and, yeah, it's a wild land you're going to walk through, but you'll be okay. Okay. Now let's, uh, let, it, verse 10, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the concept of Zion? Because I, in, in a way, it sounds as though it's a, it, it is a very specific place, like mm-hmm. on a map, and it's really not. It's more conceptual in nature, right? Well, or, or it, but it also kind of has this foot in the real world as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about what what to the Jewish nation, what to Jewish people, uh, the 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 concept of Zion and what that would mean? Well, actually, here it is a literal place. <laughs> is it a literal place? Yeah, I was thinking that it was more conceptual in nature, like a like the you know the the Shining, shining city on the hill, and uh, and uh, and and more, you know, the point at which you know God and Earth uh, uh, meet. And yeah, the second part's right. Okay, and that's Jerusalem. Okay, that the particularly at this point, the the imagery around Jerusalem was the footstool of God, was uh-huh. the house of God, those kinds of words, and so it is talking about. Um, coming to Jerusalem with singing, everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, yada, da, da, da. Um, so within Christianity, we often spiritualize it. Mm-hmm. But within Isaiah, most of the time, it is talking about an earthly Jerusalem gotcha. that is going to be restored, rebuilt, and repopulated as the Israelites get to be freed from their Babylonian captivity. Right. So, so, um, Zion would not have been Jerusalem in its torn down, conquered, um, burned to the ground state, or would it still it would... have been 
it, it, I, I guess my question is, is, is Zion, Jerusalem when the prophecy is fulfilled, or is Zion and Jerusalem synonymous regardless of its state? Good question. And, and being a good Episcopalian, I'll say both. <laughs> that An Episcopalian or a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> this and that, yes and no. Everyone knows I love well, my lawyers, uh, so uh, shout out to them. Yeah, um, so it, it's certainly at the, at the time this was written, the audience had not seen Jerusalem in basically a generation, in about 40 or two generations, about 40, 50 years. Mm -hmm. And so for many of them, it's an, almost an abstract concept. It's what they might, hopefully they remember what their parents told them about it before their parents died of old age, back when lifespans were much shorter, particularly if you were an enslaved people. Mm -hmm. um, so they need a certain amount of, quite a bit of reassurance Make the journey, and you will get to a place that is blessed. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so it really didn't matter in this context. It really didn't matter whether or not the temple existed, whether or not there was stone upon stone anymore, because that is the holy mount. Okay. Okay. And you know, they could get on with the business of rebuilding temples and homes and businesses and stuff once they get there, but actually arriving will be a blessed event, even if it is wreckage. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. I, um... And part of it is a reassurance that holy wreckage is better than comfortable enslavement. Gotcha. And yeah. Yeah. Right now, you, most of the time you have enough to eat and predictable housing and you know where your place is in life so it's tempting to stay but really it'll be better if you walk through the wilderness and get back to the holy land okay yeah um then uh the other, only other question that i had uh was in relation to um the a highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way and it's capitalized any behind the scenes interesting information about um, that proper name, it's, it, it, is there, is that a translation? Is there a word for what the, uh, they were talking about there? Because it's, it, it is odd to, you know. Yeah. Uh, I have to admit, I have to guess. Okay. Guess uh, away. Yeah. So my bet is, is that it's a Hebrew, a translation of the Hebrew, mm -hmm. and that the Hebrew term is a proper name. Got so, it. So like. Broadway, Main Street. Um, and so it, it calls for capitalization. It could be, though, a decision on the part of the translators to drive home how important this highway through the wilderness is. So as translators, we're going to decide to capitalize it, even though it has, uh, in the Greek or Hebrew translations, or Greek translation, Hebrew original, has no proper name to it. And in, in, well, in biblical Greek, biblical Hebrew, there is no capitalization. So whenever you do it, it's an editorial choice. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, although one would, would think that then the translation, uh, if it were not an actual proper name, uh, then it would, it, 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 instead of it shall be called, it would be, it shall be a holy way. 
uh, would be Good point. the original yeah. way to word it. So, but which yeah, this is which we have not. It's not like we haven't seen that in yeah. translation before, where they add some wording to make it contextualize a little bit more. But but yeah, you're right with the uh, the definitive article. The it does imply that this is being seen as a proper noun, mm -hmm. as a name. Um, okay. Anything else about about this? I mean, I, I, Isaiah. Um, I guess one other thing, uh, so the, the first part of Isaiah, uh, the first, at least the readings that we've had these past couple of weeks are really talking about not warring anymore, mm -hmm. uh, peace, uh, and, and you kind of said that this passage from, uh, the second author of Isaiah, um, is a little out of place and really probably might, some scholars believe belongs to the third. Right. Um, is there like, are, are there definitive, uh, um, differences between the different authors in, yeah. in that they're uh, what they're focused on like is the the first one all about like oh we're not gonna war anymore and then the second one is like oh and we'll we'll be uh released from uh captivity and the third one is we're coming you know we'll come home and establish a new nation or what are there's a certain degree of that but there's also um grammatical differences and vocabulary differences okay so that the it's relatively easy to see Oh, this is written by someone who speaks a whole different way. Gotcha. But it's not necessarily like, a, oh, the prophecy involved in the first there's, author there's is, is this kind of prophecy. And the prophecy for the second author is something, you know, some other totally different point of view. and That sits there as well. But that's, prophecies are, are tricky um, in the scriptures. And so that's, that's not enough to say that's mm. a different author. I gotcha. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to James, chapter 5, verse 7 through 10. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the pre uh, precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another, so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The book of James, we don't, uh, it's not terribly long, so we don't, <laughs> we don't, we don't get into it in the lectionary readings very often. Very often. Uh, right. Let's talk about uh, how old it is and who wrote it, where it comes from. Um, it's interesting, yeah, that um, the, the James uh, title is... A reference to the brother James, the brother of Jesus. Okay, and it, wait, wait, let's pause on that. James, the brother of Jesus, right? Not a cousin. <laughs> so it's because I mean I think some people would be surprised to hear that James that Jesus had a brother, right? And in the Greek of the New Testament, the word is brother, but with the belief within the Roman Catholic tradition um, of the perpetual virginity of Mary, mm -hmm. it was translated as cousin. Okay. But the, the better, more accurate translation is brother. 
Uh, and, and, and historical documents with some sort of familial the, undertone to the word, I would assume, right? Because there's oh yeah yeah in the yeah. Christian church we have yeah yeah tons not, of brothers, not just hey lots bro of, <laughs> yeah lots of brothers and sisters yeah. in Christ yeah uh, this that, is th- this has familial under, undertones to the Greek word right very very strong okay and in and there are other historic documents besides the scriptures that describe James as the brother of Jesus. So there's actually quite a bit we know about, well, relatively speaking, we know about James as opposed to uh, some of the other New Testament figures that are mentioned. Okay. So we, we know James was the brother of Jesus. We know that he was an early leader in the church. Um, that he was whether, a, whether he liked it or whether he wanted to or not, I have a feeling with, Jesus is your brother. You're kind of like brought into the new family business here. Like, how can you stand aside? No, I think you're going to have to. Jesus again. (laughs) Your brother, Jesus. You're Jesus' brother. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know, yeah. Son of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's all sorts of comedic uh, 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 stand up lines that are about that. Like, can you imagine being the brother of. you know, Jim Christ. Right. <laughs> Are you the one who can turn water into wine? No, no, no that's I'm not me. Stop asking me, please. Yeah. I really... <laughs> and, and... Okay, so, James... Sorry, this was... Still... I, 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 yeah. can't, I can't let that go. Can't let can't. go. James, in these other historical documents, was the described as the Bishop of Jerusalem, Okay. As very wise and respected within Jerusalem, so that all of the Jewish and Jewish Christian people came to him for advice and um, adjudication of disputes. Uh, him being the bishop uh, during the stories that are found in the Gospel of Jesus they, they after he after dies? the resurrection. After yeah. the resurrection. Yeah. Okay. No bishops until after the resurrection. Gotcha. Um, First, basically, uh, the apostles were the first bishops, mm-hmm. and uh, and and one of the lists of the apostles, I believe, mentions James as one of the followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So James was well respected. He was had fame for his wisdom, um, and also because of all that, was killed by the Romans uh, for the same reason Jesus was. Right, I mean, he was a threat. Well, and, and it makes sense, right? I mean, if you think about it logically, if if we take for granted that this this uh, this reference to James being the brother of Jesus, a, a familial relationship, not a cousin, mm-hmm. uh, it makes sense that he would be a figurehead after Jesus ascends. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is probably, you know, one of the would have been the the most direct tie to Jesus during his life on Earth as uh, that would be left. Uh, would have spent probably a fair amount of time at the foot of his older brother learning from him. Right. So he would have had a vast amount of uh, knowledge and understanding of where uh, uh, where Christ was going as far as his message mm-hmm. and, and changing things in society. Uh, it would have made a lot of sense as to why he would have been lauded within the community, and it would have made a lot of sense as to why the Romans were like, oh yeah, uh, the familiar relation to that guy that we yeah. that, was, that was crucified, that was uh, that was, you know, 
Uh, troublesome. Eventually <laughs> troublesome, and 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 uh, and, and uh, we should probably do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people talking about this guy, James Christ. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I threw it back in there. Um, and so there's one scholar, uh, Dominic Crossan, who described the um, basically the successor to Pontius Pilate, the next Roman official executing James, thinking he was going to curry favor with the traditional Jews, uh, and instead both the traditional Jews and the Jewish Christians were horrified by James's, James's ex- persecution and execution mm. and hated the Romans even more. Gotcha. And out of that we know how close the Jewish and Christian communities were uh, in the earliest days of Christianity. Hmm. That they, they really were one and the same. Now, I, I assume uh, then that this is a book from James. Ah, glad you said that. Okay. We don't know. We don't know. It, it could be like um, with some of the other letters we've talked about, written in and named in honor of In James. honor of, okay. Um, I mean, this author does love their beloved. Yes, uh, uh, their, their beloved language, uh, obviously, uh, 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 kind of a go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but uh, yeah, this is it. so. So, what's the overall thrust then of the, the the book of James? Is this? I mean, obviously, this passage is talking about patience, mm-hmm. uh, which, in context of, did you say when about it was written? Uh, do we do we have any ideas to its age? No, it's what's interesting. One of many interesting things about it is that it was accepted as appropriate for the scriptural collection by Christians at different times um, as Christianity matured. That's mm-hmm. the word I want. So in the third century, it was accepted by the Christians in Alexandria. In the fourth century, by the Christians in Syria. Um on and on and on, that it was not one of the greatest hits from the very beginning, like the Paul letters. Mm, gotcha. And at least a couple of the Gospels. And Martin Luther um, was really hesitant about keeping it in the Bible mm. because um, he feels it was weak on the justifi- justification only by faith. Okay. So James is famous, so to speak, for making... You know, Counseling Christians to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. Mm-hmm. And to the extent where Martin Luther was, I think you're a little weak on grace. So, mm. uh, But obviously it stayed in, in the Lutheran Bible. And uh, we really do think it's an extremely inspired book on how a Christian should live in this day and age. Mm-hmm. And it's still relevant now as it was 1,800 years ago. Yeah, it kind of it does seem, especially there at the beginning, talking about being patient and the farmer waiting for precious crops from the earth, being patient for the early rains and the late, uh, kind of reminds me a lot of the uh, uh, one of the themes in a lot of the Pauline letters, which mm-hmm. is talking about, which is addressing that that thought that oh, the second coming is like right around the corner and then it's all done. Right, and and. This is kind of more, it seems to me like it's counseling that same kind of patience of like, that's not, you know, it comes in time. Like, don't be frustrated right. with the fact that the second coming hasn't happened because it, it, it just, it's, it's all in God's time. And that's not, it, it, you, you still, 
uh, you don't grumble against one another and, and, and be patient because it's not, it might not happen in your lifetime. It's not, it's not about, it's not about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, not about you. So, uh, anything, anything else about James, the brother of Christ? Um, there's so much. Um, I, I guess it's fair to say from the Episcopal standpoint, we don't necessarily hold dear uh, that concept of uh, Mary's virginity throughout oh, her right. her life. Like we, we we part from the, the the Catholic Church on that. Right. The the common construct is that while Jesus came from a virgin birth, afterwards Mary and Joseph led a very normal everyday married life, including having more children. Uh, uh, and, well, and having children together. For for fear of being blasphemous, uh, I believe it was said best by Chris Rock on uh, the in the movie Dogma, which is. Has a lot of blasphemy in it, uh, but uh, he said he says that the uh, the concept and belief in the virgin birth is a matter of faith. Uh, but she did have a husband, and to believe that a married couple never got down is just plain gullibility. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you quoted Chris Rock in these podcasts? Uh, I have I done it before? Yeah, I think oh, so. Gosh, maybe uh, I'm wrong. Maybe. maybe maybe it's a conversation before or after. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's not usually that movie is not podcast friendly no. for the most part, uh, uh, as it is it is as it is a, a video documentation of one person's struggle with their faith specifically. Yeah, the author, actually, the, the 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 screenwriter and director that was his public kind yeah. of public statement with his yeah. problem with the 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 Catholic Church uh, mm-hmm. and kind of like developed it into a screenplay. But I find it fascinating. Yeah, um, I do too, actually. Oh, good. Yes, yeah. so there you go. The Episcopal Church officially endorses... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those pieces of art that can make us think. There you go. It, it, it certainly can. Um, all done with James, I guess. Uh, hopefully, we, we get a chance to come back to him at some point in time. Uh, like I said, it's not and as terribly I, long. Yeah, but. as I say, almost every week, it is so short... It's worth sitting yeah. down reading the whole thing through. It's a it's it's a it's a morning prayer sized uh, yeah uh, yeah uh, reading. So uh, kind of a would be is is an interesting thing to, to to potentially do, and we encourage you on that. Let's move on to Matthew, Matthew chapter eleven, verse two through eleven. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, "Are you the one who is to come?" Or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered him, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go, what did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Um, what? Uh, so, so John is in prison at this point in time, right? 
and he sends someone to Jesus and asking, are you the one I was talking about? Yeah. And Jesus says, go and tell him. Um, basically, prophecy fulfilled, prophecy fulfilled, yeah. prophecy fulfilled. Um, and uh, then he starts, uh, um, why, why all the, the, the John the Baptist love here from, from Matthew? Uh, because it really is a focal point of like, like a, a, a linchpin to his, his gospel story. Uh, he focuses it on on John the Baptist. Uh, I don't know if it's more than the other gospels per se, but it sure feels like it. It's it's more prominent than I remember it being in Luke, which yes. we just came out of. Yeah. Um. So, uh, uh, is is this just to tie in, um, like to to we continue weaving the prophecy and to point out how. Uh, it was fulfilled so to, to shore up the the strength of the argument that Jesus is the Messiah, um, and and he's trying to convince uh, in his writing others that who didn't get a chance to experience Jesus directly that that, that uh, or had doubts that this is this is the reason why this is the central point of my argument as to why he is the the yeah. prophecy fulfilled. Yes, and. Um, yeah, that, for Matthew, it's very important that there's a, a straight line between John the Baptist and Elijah, who mm -hmm. is the prophet um, long identified within Judaism as the foreshadower of the Messiah coming, mm -hmm. and still is. Mm -hmm. um, the other dimension, though, is that this the, the John the Baptist story arc here is similar to the one in the Gospel of John, where... There, where John the Baptist is, to, to exaggerate a little bit, put in his place mm. over mm. and over. This In the Gospel of Matthew, for instance, when Jesus is baptized, John the Baptist doesn't get to be the um, active figure in yeah, the story. Was, yeah, it almost he, implies like he was just kind of off on the side or maybe it, not even there. Uh, well, he was there, but it, it literally says when Jesus was baptized rather than when John baptized Jesus. I feel like there was another uh, iteration where it wasn't John that baptized him. I, no. I feel like it, but... I, but I, in, in the Gospel of... Yeah, it, it, we've talked about it, I think, before from the Gospel of John. Um, so there's... Oh, I remember what it was. I think it was a Pauline letter later. Okay. Where... He had taken out reference of John the Baptist because he was trying to make a separation between uh, mm -hmm. the people being persecuted at the time and new Christians, and like so, yeah. there was like avoiding wording that talked about John the Baptist. That might have been what I was Maybe. thinking of. But anyway, the we know that John the Baptist was extremely popular, mm -hmm. and um, that John the Baptist had attracted. Lots and lots of followers, which is one of the reasons the Romans killed him. Mm -hmm. And that the big question, as is um, put into this story, and the story occurs in Luke as well, is who should people keep following John the Baptist now that Jesus has arrived? Mm -hmm. And the Gospels are pretty unequivocal of, yeah, leave John the Baptist, follow Jesus. In historical occurrence, it wasn't that clear cut. And there were people who kept insisting for centuries that John the Baptist was 
more important than Jesus. Hmm. That they did not acknowledge Jesus as Messiah. Uh, and so it was a very hot topic. I'm curious, in that line of thinking then, uh, was did John the Baptist, f- for those people, fulfill the role of Messiah? No, no, no. Okay. He was a so, great prophet. So a great prophet, uh, then they would have to disconnect, I would, I would assume, the portion of uh, him fulfilling the prophecy right. of being the, making the one from the wilderness, making way for the one to come. Yeah. So he's a great prophet, but not the, that part of the yeah, prophecy. Not, and not simply a forerunner. Hmm. But one who really was, and, and this is a, certainly true, really was trying to reform the society around himself, was trying to uh, call to task the authorities, particularly within Judaism, mm-hmm. um, and was prophetic in calling for social justice. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very, there. I've heard Christians uh, now say, when they really sit down and spend time with the scriptural John the Baptist, they really like him. Mm-hmm. And they, they want to do what he's talking about, which is good. Yeah. Um, and so translate that to 1,800 years ago, it might be easier to imagine people saying, yeah, Jesus is great, but I really want to push, you know, I'm, I'm more drawn to what John the Baptist was saying. Hmm. And there wasn't any sense of, my God's better than your God schism. Right. But in, instead it was a, yeah, Jesus, great rabbi, but we don't see him as Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, John the Baptist, fantastic prophet. And we find that the most meaningful path for our spiritual lives. Interesting. So the Gospels do spend, not all, except for Mark, do spend time saying, John the Baptist, no. Jesus, yes. Gotcha. And even put in... Um, John's mouth uh, at one point telling his followers, I believe this is in the Gospel of John, stop following me, go follow Jesus. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think he says something about this is the Messiah. Yeah. Uh, almost even spells it out. Yeah. Um, which I guess it, it does make sense. I mean, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were all written after um, um, all these events, uh, obviously, yeah, this, is not, Baptist, this is Jesus. not a writing uh, detailed as it occurred, and right. the book was published. As right, as, mm. it's not a transcript. Oh, he was crucified. I'm going to take this to the printer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so um, they would have, they would be as these books were written and released uh, to for any sort sort of uh, uh, public religious consumption. Um, would there would have been that argument still of yeah. John oh, the yeah. Baptist? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they would have. It would they, have been active. They would have literally like I'm gonna I'm gonna devote a couple of chapters here to the baton handoff between yeah. John and Jesus because I need to make this point of it's B not A. Yeah, though actually only be a few verses, handful of verses, right. rather than two chapters. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, the balance isn't. Well, I the, Matthew does do the whole. John the Baptist story in 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 in, in, a, in a couple of chapters, right? And yeah. It's like okay, yeah, it occurs in, and they didn't have chapters in the first. Sure, time. sure, sure. The mark a decent a decent amount of of writing is devoted to introduction of John the Baptist, handoff to Jesus, death of John the Baptist. Yeah, yeah, very true. So that way, the book that's just a small piece yeah. of 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 uh, the overall book. Uh, yeah, I just written. don't want anyone to be misled in thinking it was such a huge deal that it overshadowed the teachings of Jesus. Right. Right. Um, 
Yeah, the, like I said, the, he does spend, Jesus does spend a decent amount of time here praising uh, John. Yeah. And then turns it, like like Jesus does in a lot of uh, uh, quotes in the different Gospels, turns it on its ear at the end. <laughs> <laughs> There's a punchline. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least of king, uh, the kingdom of heaven is greater than even he is. <laughs> yeah. And yet, he's a nobody. In there. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's, this is trivial. This is trivial. But there are Christians who do not think that you should ever call a church John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist died before the resurrection, death and resurrection of Jesus. So technically, he was never a Christian. And never and, and he never received a Christian baptism. Yeah, I'm not sure how I yeah, feel about it, that. I, I think it's I think silly. those <laughs> I think those of us who take time out of our lives to determine who who does and does not belong in Christianity or in heaven have probably focused on the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> we are off track. And that is not your job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it is well above our pay grade. That's right. Uh, but it's and the neat thing about um, the second part of this passage is it really, I think, captures well why John the Baptist attracted followers. He was a mm-hmm. man of integrity. He spoke truth to power, um, was holy, had a lead, led a disciplined spiritual and physical life. Um, and yeah, he was a... a He'd be a fascinating guy to listen to mm-hmm. and hopefully get in conversation with, since that was the teaching style of the time. It wasn't yeah. a lecture, it was a conversation. Yeah, it was a very yeah, the rabbinical style yeah. of, of, of yeah. teaching is is not pulpit. Right. Yeah. Um and uh um yeah, I, I and one last thing I, I guess I would say is I like I like the way that uh, Jesus is quoted here. Um uh what did you go out into the wilderness to mm-hmm. see? Nature? <laughs> a reed shaken by the wind? No. What'd you go out to see? Pretty clothes? Is that what you found out there? No, that's not it. No, you went out there because he was a heck of a prophet. Yeah. And he really was. Uh and uh and and uh so I I don't know, I just part well, of that and, part of the part of the way that that is written like I like that. Well, and something else that's interesting that unless you were in the audience or read a couple of things like I have, you would know is that King Herod, mm-hmm. who would be responsible for, in part, for the death of Jesus, um, Roman figurehead, completely fake king, mm-hmm. Jews did not acknowledge his kingship. On the coins he made, it had a reed. Ah. And the clothes he wore, purple. Mm-hmm. Well, most... Royalty. Any, any any king queen, you know, yeah, but, uh, but, royal court would that would would have been a color that you would have found there. Uh, and he was the guy. And he was the guy. Yeah. So, so this is a jab at the establishment. A huge jab. Nice. At the I like establishment. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's fun that way. Does the reed quiver at yeah. the words of John the Baptist? <laughs> right. Mm. <laughs> Tongue in cheek, Jesus is so fun. Um, <laughs> I really like it, and it's also a reference back to the book of um, Elijah. And, okay, I mean not the book of, but the words of Elijah, and uh, see, it's similar descriptions about him himself. Very good, very good. 
All right. Well, with that, I think I think we'll uh, we'll call it. Uh huh. So this was your podcast for December fifteenth, twenty nineteen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, if you want to find out uh, uh, what reed will shake in the wind on Sunday, <laughs> please you're more than welcome to join us uh, at eight and ten. We have a nine o'clock hour in between for both the youth group and for uh, adult forum. You are still in the midst of a, a, a oh. adult forum discussion, a book discussion. It's no, well, no, it's a discussion. Nope, wrong. Well, wrong. You, you shut up. And- <laughs> And to your credit, you're leading the youth class, so you're not there. <laughs> it's a um, discussion on the passage, the Christmas biblical passages. Okay. So it, it's leading us towards Christmas in a very fascinating way. Interesting. Yeah. She should be doing a podcast on that. We could. Uh, uh, no, then I'd have to read. Uh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Well, we hope that you're able to join us uh, 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 on Sunday, this next Sunday. Uh, if you're not, uh, of course, we'll we'll endeavor to have uh, the the homily up on both YouTube and on uh, this uh, this uh, podcast channel as well. Uh, but uh, but we hope to see you in person and uh, yeah. and uh, hope you're having a great Advent uh, holiday as it as as it stretches into uh, d- to December and the, the coming of Christ Himself and uh, 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 we're gonna need to establish a when, when we do a minor celebration for the birth of James. Um, <laughs> Yeah, who gets the maybe, best birthday maybe, party? Maybe a small toast. Empty <laughs> uh, you. Um, but uh, but uh, with that, uh, like I said, uh, this was your podcast for December 15th. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll speak with you next week. Bye-bye. Merry Advent.